Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you I want to share with you a revelation concerning gathering into the ark. This was a revelation that was given to Eve about it's time to gather into the ark. Well, you know when they gathered into the ark, don't you? It was at the beginning of the seven days. And uh, we've got several revelations sent to us recently about it. we're coming very close to the beginning of the seven days. And uh, this one's no differently. It's the Lord warning of what time it is. Um, and there's going to be a great restoration of God's people. I'm talking about the things that have been stolen from them over the years, either through a, a false teachers or preachers or through just backsliding. All, everything is going to be restored, according to Joel. And uh, this is going to be the mightiest time on the face of the earth for Signs and wonders and miracles and restoration of God's people. Hallelujah. And this revelation was given to Eve uh, this month. And she said, Father gave me this dream and also gave me a confirmation dream to my son Noah on the same night. I had a dream inside a dream. And she believes that, and I do too, that that means that... Um, the dream was doubled. You know, Genesis 41 and 32 says, And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh, it is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Hallelujah. She said, In this dream, my son Noah and I were standing in front of a large doorway <clears throat> that looked like a drawbridge for a castle. Yeah, and we know that Jesus is the doorway into the kingdom of heaven, right? The kingdom of heaven is uh, going to be proven to be an ark for God's people in the days to come. So this door reminds us of John 10 and 9 where it says, I am the door by me. Uh you could say, by me could mean, or through the word, because it is by the word that we enter in, right? I am the door, by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Saved here, the word sozo covers all kinds of things uh, that most of the church doesn't recognize, but it's still true. Uh, saved, healed, delivered, prospered. Provided for, just so many things, you know. And we need, in the days to come, we need to be saved. And Jesus is the door. The Word of God is the door. Enter in through the Word of God into all the benefits of the kingdom of God. He said, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and go out and find pasture. In Jeremiah 30 and 21, and there 
prince shall be of themselves, and the ruler shall proceed from the midst of them, and I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach unto me, for who is he that hath had boldness to approach unto me, says the Lord. And we're told in John 6 and 44 that no man can come to me except the Father that sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day, or in the last day. So we enter into the ark of safety by abiding in Christ, or abiding in the Word. This is going to preserve many people in days to come. Many are going to die and pass away because of ignorance of the Word. And uh, so it behooves us right today to get prepared. As many people are preparing in natural ways, but this is a supernatural way. It is coming into agreement with God's Word. This will preserve you. He said the drawbridge was the entrance into a huge ark that had several levels and many rooms or cubicles in it. Noah was standing on my right. In real life, Noah is 17 years old, which is the number of preservation in time of judgment. Joseph, for instance, was 17 when he started into his big trial and was sold out by his brethren and sold into Egypt and lied about by the harlot, cast into prison, and but he was preserved through all of that so he could come out of prison and be uh, the ruler of God's people. This ark had been prepared by God himself for many, many years. It looked very old and rugged on the outside. And I believe that that's because it represents abiding in the ancient word of God, Jesus. And um, she said the works of man had nothing to do with this ark, which reminds us of 1 Kings uh, 6 and 7 where the the house, when it was in building, was built of stone made ready at the quarry. There was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was building, which is a symbol of it not being made by man's hands. This house that's going to be made in these days, many Christians are excited about the possibility of rebuilding the temple. Well, it's not a temple of nothing let me tell you, whatever they build, God is not going to abide in it. It's a temple of nothing. Um, the temple of Ezekiel uh, was a temple that no one uncircumcised in heart could enter into. Now that just lets you know something, that that temple is not a physical temple as what they're claiming, but is uh, the New Testament spiritual house of God that's made without man's hands. And Ecclesiastes 1 and 9 says, That which has been is that which shall be, and that which hath been done is that which shall be done. There is no new thing under the sun. So, get ready, folks, because God is going to build His temple out of His people. And um, with anybody with eyes to see and ears to hear, we'll be able to see this temple. And the rest won't. Um... Eve said, I heard the voice of the Lord behind us say, I want you and Noah to call all the members of your family and tell them 
It is time to gather into the ark. For in seven days I will send such a rain as has never been seen before upon men. The time has come when no man can work. In other words, the time has come, meaning the beginning of the tribulation. We know at the end of the tribulation there is going to be such an outpouring of the flood of judgment of God. But the time has come is the beginning of the tribulation. And he's saying no man can work. Why? Because the arm of the flesh won't save during the tribulation. Right? And he gives a verse here, Acts 3 and 25. You, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers. Saying unto Abraham... <clears throat> in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In his seed. Now we know who Abraham's seed is. It's those who walk by faith. No, it's not the, those who are after the flesh that are his seed, according to Paul, but those who walk by faith. So, um, after the seven days of the tribulation, a flood will destroy those who persecuted God's people during the trib. Uh, the seven days are the days in which God's people are getting into the ark, right? Genesis 7 and 4 says, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth. So after seven days, he's talking about here. Does that mean there won't be a rain until after seven? No, there will be a rain now. We'll find out about that in just a minute. So, uh, for yet seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. Did you know the waters of the flood were one of their years? And uh, that each day in the tribulation period accounts for a year. The 70th week of Daniel counts for a year. But most of the church doesn't know that there is a year following the seven years, which is the eighth year. And uh, that's when the flood happens. And just as God told Noah, he said, for yet seven days, that's the 70th week of Daniel, he said that the flood waters would come. After seven days, the flood waters will come. What are the seven days? To prepare people to escape a massive judgment upon this earth like the world has never seen. The Lord said, I will send such a rain as has never been seen before upon men. Yes, he's talking about the flood in that case. And Eve said in this dream, it had not rained in so long that all the people on earth did not even know what rain was anymore. Now, if you're talking about the kind of rain that he's talking about here, it's a, a rain of judgment. And, right, people have never seen anything like this. Yeah. Nobody that's living on this earth has ever seen like anything like this. And most of the people who have lived on this earth for a long time in the past have not seen anything like this. It's called the Great and Terrible Day of the Lord. 
Hosea 5 and 15 says, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction they will seek me earnestly. And uh, 6 and 3 says, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge your offense and seek my face. Okay. So, there is something that's going to cause God's people to seek His face. What do you suppose these things could be? Well, I don't know, many people are looking on the horizon and they're seeing many things come together, many things that have never happened in their lifetime are happening now, all coming together. And people's eyes are getting opened. And people are going to start seeking the Lord. And in fact, I see some of it now, people seeking the Lord. And Jeremiah 5 and 24 says, Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter, in its season, that pre- preserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. So Eve said, I asked the Lord, what will be the sign of these things? What sign will you give me? I fear many won't listen to me or believe your words. They don't believe in rain anymore. She's talking about that great and terrible rain, you know. You remember the rain that brought the flood wiped out humanity, all but the eight who were in the ark, right? And the Lord said, Tomorrow I will send a rain that they will believe that I sent you and and they will believe your words. Well, notice that the Lord said that he would send, quote, a rain, unquote, which would cause the people to believe the warnings of a coming flood or a greater rain, a destructive rain, right? Well, this first rain will be the outpouring of the Spirit and revival. And those that receive this will believe that the great flood of judgment will come after seven years or or days, seven days. They're going to believe it. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is capable of doing this. Most people who get the Holy Spirit suddenly believe in the supernatural and they believe in the judgment of God and they have a fear of God and they have a closeness to the Holy Spirit that they've never had. Now the days are coming when many of God's people who have never received the Holy Spirit are going to receive the former rain, just like Joel said. And um, the first fruits are going to receive, the first fruits man-child ministry are, is going to receive the latter rain. And why is that? Because, uh, because these are going to be the teachers, they're going to be the leaders, they're going to be the example. And God wants that anointing to be seen on them, to draw people unto them and unto their words. In Jesus' day, he, had re- he received... Um, the former rain, and the rest of the people didn't have that. 
and it drew people unto him. Well, now it's in our covenant that we receive the former rain, although many people have not listened to the covenant and obeyed and received it. So what's going to happen is when we enter into the wilderness, as you know, the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the cloud happened unto them when they entered into the wilderness tribulation. And so here we are. We're getting ready to enter into a wilderness tribulation, and it's going to be started with a revival. A revival of the former rain and a revival of the latter rain. The latter rain revival is going to be for, at first be given to the first fruits man-child ministry. And uh, I believe that halfway through the tribulation, just before the great persecution, and uh, many being put to death, etc., etc., uh, that God's going to pour out the latter rain like he did on Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago when he poured out the former rain. See the types and the shadows and the things that have been are the things that shall be. So the Exodus 4 text gives an example of God dealing with his people in this way. Uh, Exodus 4, 1 through 9. Then Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? Same thing uh, Eve basically said, right? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Of course, many would say that without some kind of proof. And even if they had proof, they wouldn't believe it if they've got a religious spirit. And the Lord said unto him, "What? What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. Then he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. But the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand, and I bet very carefully, (laughs) caught it, and it uh, became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So, God already showed us that it was his, um, his way to show signs in order to get the people to listen. That is, anybody with eyes and ears. That is a gift from God to get them to listen. So he's showing us that this is his way. And now he's saying he's going to do it again. He's going to give supernatural sign to, to cause people to believe. Well, I'll tell you, there's, there isn't hardly a better sign than being baptized in the Holy Spirit to make people believe. Because it changes your heart. It empowers you. Right? And going on with the text, it said, The Lord furthermore said to him, Now put your hand into your bosom. So he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. You know what that represents? Leprosy, I believe, represents sin. And in this case, sin in the bosom and in the works because of the hand, right? In the bosom and in the works. In the heart and in the works. 
Then he said, Put your hand into your bosom again. So he put his hand into his bosom again, and when he took it out of his bosom, behold, it was restored like the flesh, like the rest of his flesh. And, of course, I believe that means the power of God to save. It's a wonderful sign to see somebody that was totally given over to corruption saved by the Lord and <clears throat> and becoming righteous. Wonderful, powerful sign that God can save that way. People that have never known to be saved or uh, been recognized as big sinners, you know, the Lord is, is saving and going to save. But then the Lord said, If they will not believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, they may believe the witness of the last sign. That is the power of God to save. Right? But if they will not believe even these two signs or heed what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it out on the ground. And the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. Hmm. Wonder what that sign is. Well, Eve said, I noticed that the last sign was water poured out on the ground. That turned into blood. And this is the sign that the unbelieving wicked received in the flood waters of judgment. Death. Exodus 8 and 23 says, And I will put a division between my people and thy people by tomorrow shall this sign be. Well, that's very interesting. Do you believe that it would be a great sign from God that judgment would come upon the wicked? The sign of death? Can you imagine that in the days to come there will be more death than people have seen in their whole lifetime? Um, and their father's lifetime, and before, etc., etc., on down. Many, many people are going to die in the judgments that are coming. I'm convinced that uh, a kind of a corporate earthquake is going to happen before the tribulation starts even. And I believe it will shake the whole earth. Not one earthquake, but um, a corporate kind of earthquake. One that travels around the earth. Um, will bring judgment on the whole earth. It will shake people. There's very few earthquakes that have actually shaken the whole earth, but it has happened, not in a really noticeable way, because scientists had to be the ones to tell us that it did happen, but I believe it's going to be in a noticeable way. Can you see how many earthquakes are happening in these days and how they lie to us every time there is they have one by knocking it down a point or two, you know, or three. They knock them down and, you know, belittle them and so on and so forth. And, you know, there was just, we just had an, an 8.0 that they knocked down to a 7.9 um, off of Alaska's coast there. And I think there was five um, volcanoes that were either having seismic activity or beginning to erupt or so on and so forth. I mean, God is shaking and cracking the earth. And we haven't seen anything yet. 
She said, I noticed that uh, the last sign was water poured out on the ground that turned to blood. That was that death. Amen. She said, after this, I woke up from the dream inside the dream and found that Noah and I were again standing in front of the drawbridge like door in front of the ark. So, they're standing in front of this drawbridge or door, which as you remember, the Lord was the one to close the door, right? After everybody went in and all the creatures went in that were symbolizing, I believe, the Gentiles, the unclean animals that went in, um, the Lord himself closed the door, and then he brought the floodwaters upon the earth. I told Noah, the Lord has commanded us to gather our family members, for the time has come to enter into his ark. And according to type, there were eight saved, right? And that's the number of Jesus, by the way, the family of God, right? We're all abiding in the one Jesus Christ, right? And anybody that's not abiding in him is not going to be saved. It doesn't matter about their religion. It doesn't matter that they once had a relationship to God or that they once received a new spirit. It'll only matter have they borne fruit or they're walking in it. Man, that's what's going to matter. You have to be abiding in Christ now. Having abided in Christ once before doesn't have anything to do with what you're doing now. You know? So anyway, he went on to say, The time has come when no man can work. He is sending a terrible rain upon men, such as has never been seen before. So after the family is gathered into the ark during the tribulation, the flood will come on the persecutors of God's people. Uh, a lesser flood is about to come on these people now at the beginning of the trib that we call a revival or the former and latter rain. That's going to be the sign to people that truly massive judgment is coming upon the earth. Not that the tribulation isn't judgment. I mean, you can't read um, the book of Revelation without realizing that the tribulation is judgment, but it's nothing compared to the great and terrible day of the Lord. We're told in Isaiah 34 and 8, For the Lord hath a day, there it is, a day of vengeance. Now, trial or tribulation isn't the vengeance. This is the vengeance of God, the wrath of God. He hath a day of vengeance, a year of recompense. Notice he's saying it's a day that's a year. The flood was a day that was a year. After the seven days, there was an eighth day. It was a year of the flood. And it was a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. In other words, it's payback time for those who have persecuted Zion. And the next verse is kind of interesting too. It says, And the streams of Edom shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone. 
and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. So the Edomites, of course, were those who persecuted Israel. Even though they were born of Abraham, they were persecutors of Jacob, who was Israel, right? If, if you would like to understand the relationship of the day of the Lord and see proof of what I'm saying here, uh, you can go and read it in Hidden Manna for the End Times on our site. Hidden Manna for the End Times. It's, it's very plain. There's nothing plainer in all the Bible, I don't think, than when the day of the Lord comes. And it is not the tribulation. That's why people are really mixed up on their tribulation doctrine. The great and terrible day of the Lord comes after the tribulation. And it starts, by the way, with an attack on America. A major nuclear and biological attack on America. And we prove that in Hid Manna for the End Times too. And Eve said, Noah asked me, how will they believe us? It hasn't rained for thousands of years. Meaning uh, the sign that would cause them to believe hasn't happened in about 2,000 years. And this represents the former reign of the Holy Spirit anointing, which fell on those in the upper room at Pentecost. Right? And Eve said, Tomorrow... God will send a rain so that they will believe our words. And she said, uh, this rain will begin with the anointing of the first fruits man-child. I agree. Notice that the timing of this dream is signified by the word tomorrow. Meaning, this dream's fulfillment will start the day before the outpouring and tribulation, um, which is when they began to enter into the ark for the seven days. So, in other words, when she's saying tomorrow, this judgment that's going to come is going to be preceded by this this uh, anointing that's coming. So, uh, that's giving us a timing. Not physical tomorrow. It's going to be tomorrow to her when she was in this dream and speaking in this dream, you understand. And and when she was seeing the rain and so on and so forth, that would be tomorrow after that when the dream would start to be fulfilled and an outpouring of the Spirit, etc., etc. So we went and called all of our family members by just calling out to the world because our family members were all over the world. Well, yeah, you know, we we find out who it is that's a family member by going out and preaching the gospel to the world. Uh, the people who have ears to hear and eyes to see are family members because they come. See, no one comes unto the Son except the Father draws them, right? So then when we preach the gospel, we find out who it is that is a family member, right? And they, the called are among all the peoples of the world because they're calling out to all the world in this, right? A small handful of people gathered with us in front of the ark, maybe six or seven. 
That's according to type, right? And uh, this could represent the seven others uh, of Noah's family or maybe the seven churches in Revelation, Eve was suggesting. And she said, each one of us was a different nationality. Ain't that neat? We're going to have all kinds of different brothers and sisters from around the earth. The ones I remember and was focused on were three different young people. She said there were six or seven, but the ones she was focused on was three of them. The first one was a young African woman about 19 years old. The second was a Middle Eastern girl about 10. And then a young Asian boy about 5. Notice it went from 19 all the way down to 5. And my question was, of course, is uh, could this be a sequence of revivals from the oldest to the youngest? I don't know. There may be more to this. There's more to most of what we uh, study. Uh, some things you get years later even sometimes. But um, The African girl was dressed in a sheer light colored uh, dress. The Middle Eastern girl was dressed in some type of woven loose robe. And she had a turban like headdress. The Asian boy seemed to be wearing light, simple clothing, like a tunic. And the others were kind of fuzzy in the background. But the main thing was, people from all over the earth are going to be taking part in this. Amen? Ain't it good? Ain't it awesome? People all over the world. You know... Um, in the kingdom of God, there is no division according to race or color. And um, that's a worldly thing. Totally worldly thing. God doesn't show favor to races or color anymore. Even the Jew was a type and a shadow of the New Testament spiritual Jew, which is people from all around the earth who have been born from above. They're the seed of Abraham according to faith, not the seed according to the flesh. Okay? Some people haven't learned that yet. They don't know the importance of that. Um, anyway, God is not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of righteousness. Our family members then said, You said the Lord would send us a rain as a sign. I replied, yes, the Lord told me tomorrow I will send a rain. So they will believe your words. Immediately after I spoke, it began to rain on us. It was a small, short rain. After this, we all entered the ark. So this rain, this empowering rain of the Spirit, is going to give wisdom to people to know that they need to enter the ark because great judgment is coming. And notice it said it was small and a short rain. That's because the revival will be just enough to bring the first fruits into the ark. 
And I believe that during the tribulation period, um, God's people are going to be brought into the ark in preparation for when God closes the door at the end of the tribulation period. And then comes the flood, the great and terrible day of the Lord. Massive judgment is going to rack the earth. And he said, once we got inside the ark, it was all see-through. We could see through the floor and the ceilings uh, into all the different levels. And we could see through the walls to the outside, too. And I believe this is because the ark is spiritual and not physical. People are many times looking for a physical ark. But as we know, there is no physical ark if there's not a spiritual ark. In other words, there's no place that is safe without being in the spiritual ark. No place. You know, people have come here because they wanted to. Because they wanted to escape. We, I always warned people not to come to the refuge because um, unless God spoke to them unless they knew it was God's will well you know people hear anything they want to hear in some cases and people came and God said no you're not I even told some people they would never make it here and they didn't and some people made it here and they had to leave because God made them leave so you know there's a time for everything and uh, the major time for getting on board the ark is when the woman goes into the wilderness. That's the major time. Not that God's not preparing the ark. I mean, uh, Noah was repa- preparing the ark. Okay. And she she also said that we could see all the people outside who weren't a part of our family. Yeah, the only ones that were invited into the ark was Noah's family. Noah means rest. That's the people in the rest. Why is, is that? Because they are they are keeping their New Testament Sabbath. They're ceasing from their works. Not one day, but every day. The Sabbatismos, as mentioned in Hebrews chapter 3, is a continual rest. That's what it means. Uh, not a type and a shadow of that continual rest like it was in the Old Testament. This is a continual rest, a continual ceasing from your works to enter into God's rest or God's works. Amen? Because he's finished the works. He's done the works. So, um, they were able to see outside the ark and and see people who weren't a part of the family. Because the Holy Spirit brings discernment of who is in the kingdom regardless of what men claim. There are a lot of people that claim to be in the kingdom because of something that happened to them, uh, which may be quite legitimate, except for the fact that you have to be in the kingdom now. You have to be abiding in Christ now. There's no promise to someone who was once saved as though they're always saved. There's no such thing as that. There's nothing in the Bible that fits that. 
So uh, many people are counting on that, and they don't care what they do between here and there because they're counting on that to save them. Multitudes of people believing that will be lost. And um, so they saw the people outside the ark, and she said they were angry and unbelieving of the message. Well, you can imagine it was that way in Noah's day, too. You're building a what? For what? (laughs) Yeah. Um, They were angry and unbelieving of the message that we had announced while calling out to all of our family members to gather into the ark because God made sure that everybody heard the message. Well, these are the coming days when the gospel is going to be preached in all of the world. It's awesome, huh? Well, I believe the angry and critical Edomites, um, though they are fleshly sons of Abraham, will not be chosen the chosen seed because they have sold their birthright through a root of bitterness, according to Hebrews 12. 14 through 17, you're probably very familiar with it, how Esau sold his birthright by bitterness. And Edom, of course, is Esau's seed. Uh, Eve went on to say, but only our family obeyed. Only the family of God obeyed and gathered together in order to enter in to the ark. Yeah, the rest of them don't believe it. They're going to scoff at it. It's And a lot of religious people, too, that claim they've been saved. First of all, some of them are going to be believing that nothing like that is necessary because they're going to fly away. They don't believe they need to prepare by entering into the ark through faith in Jesus Christ and his, his blood, right? And 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9 says, God appointed us not unto wrath, but unto the obtaining of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when is the wrath? Well, the wrath is the eighth day. It's not the seven days. The Bible don't call the seven days the wrath. It calls the eighth day, the eighth year, the wrath. It does not call the seven days the wrath. The, the seven days is the tribulation. It is the trial. It is the test to see who will be in the ark. And the eighth day is the wrath of God poured out upon the wicked. Because we're not appointed unto wrath. But if some of God's so-called people end up to be persecutors, as they always do, of God's people, they will be under the wrath. They will go into the great and terrible day of the Lord and be destroyed just like the flood did the first time. This flood is not a flood of water. It is a flood of judgment. Water included. So, she said we stood inside the center of the ark watching all the people outside going about their business and murmuring and grumbling. (laughs) Yep. Well, just remember that the murmurers died in the wilderness tribulation and did not enter the promised land. Why is that? Because they had no faith in God's promises or God's commands. They were not obedient to get in the ark. And they had no faith in God. 
You see people that claim to be Christians, but they got no faith in God. They got no faith in His promises. They scoff at many of His promises as though they're not for today. No, this is not going to cut it in the days to come, folks. Uh, there's going to be a repentance of many apostate Christians who have changed Christianity to suit themselves or their leaders have. And these murmurers were saying, What rain? There's no such thing as rain. They're crazy. Well, are they saying it today or not? Are they saying it today that, they, that these judgments that we say are coming are just crazy? Yes, they are. Second Thessalonians 2, 10-12 says, Because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God sendeth them a working of error, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be judged, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Apparently, only myself and my family had experienced the rain that the Lord had promised. The other people were shaking their heads and waving us off with their arms. In Luke 10 and 21, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and the understanding, and didst reveal them unto babes. Jesus said, except you become as a child, you won't enter the kingdom. Right? These people are too wise to be children. They've been educated by their theologians, and they believe them instead of the Lord. It's just exactly what happened in Jesus' day, too. The things that have been are the things that shall be. We watched as the people outside the ark pushed old wooden wheelbarrows around that were full of mud bricks. Does that sound familiar? Mud bricks. And they were dragging around stubborn mules with ropes that were loaded down with heavy burdens of straw. Straw and bricks. Kind of like the stubborn mules they served the old man of Egypt, right? The flesh. They were in bondage in Egypt again, making their bricks, and refused the baptism of his death in the Red Sea. That is the old man. Right? They did not want to go through the Red Sea to see the old man destroyed or put to death. We have a baptism. It has to be fulfilled. Right? And these people do not want to take up the cross and follow Jesus to the death of the old man. They want, they'd rather serve the old man. So that's what this symbolizes here. Making mud bricks and dragging around stubborn mules with ropes, etc., etc. The people were all skinny and covered with dirt and sweat and wearing mud-stained, sleeveless, tattered tunics or just loincloths. And, uh, of course, they're consumed with the works of the flesh here, right? So busy doing these things, and they're liking it. Their skin was wrinkled and scorched brown from the sun and lack of rain. In other words, they're living under the curse rather than the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They, they looked all dry and shriveled like people who are dehydrated. 
In other words, they were not filled with the life-giving water of God's Holy Spirit and Word. The earth also was dusty and dry. That reminds you of Isaiah 24, where great judgments were coming upon the earth. And it said that, in verse 6, that, Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are found guilty. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. Yeah, there's going to be things like are mentioned there about the earth uh, tipping on its axis and so on and so forth. Some people say, oh, that ain't going to happen. It ain't happened in their lifetime, so it's not going to happen. But it will happen anyway, whether they like it or not. Massive judgment. That would be a massive judgment right there. A massive judgment. Shifting all the water on the earth. Be water in places there's never been any water. And uh, anyway, going on, during the seven days that we were observing what was going on outside the ark, notice seven days they were able to watch this, there was a third group of people who were hazy looking. It seemed that they alternated between a solid form and a hazy, cloudy appearance. Hmm, wonder what that means, huh? They would fade in and out between faith and double-mindedness. They would appear clear to me when they had faith and believed our message because they would face the same direction as we were. But then, when doubt and unbelief would come, they would turn back towards the door leading back outside of the ark and they would fade to a cloudy haze and I couldn't make out the details of their form anymore what could that mean well I believe that fading in and out speaks of them being unstable why unstable well James 1 and 6 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he that doubteth is like the surge of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. In other words, they're unstable. And verse 7 says, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. It's a sad thing, saints. But the people who are double-minded and have no faith in God, no faith in His promises, they are unstable. When they have to make an important decision, uh, a kingdom decision, what's going to happen? Well, they won't be able to be sure to be able to make that decision, for one thing. They won't be able. They think that they can choose, but I tell you, if you're being blown about by every wind of doctrine, uh, you don't know what you're going to choose. Some people will be afraid to go into the ark, and their teachers will be railing against it too. So they're unstable. 
and they won't be sure to be able to make any decision right, just as today they can't make any decision right. Many of them die for lack of understanding. They die for lack of faith in God. God's provisions are all in faith. There's no reason for people to do without. Um, So these people would come into the ark, but then start questioning the rain or doubting their beliefs. There are people that question the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, even though it's in the Bible very clearly. But they do that because they have more faith in men than in God. There's a great apostasy in the church today. Men who are not filled with the Spirit, not led of the Spirit, not guided by the Spirit, not empowered by the Spirit, but just to have their own ego to, to follow. And uh, they teach against the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's works. They're blasphemers of the Holy Spirit. They even say that the Holy Spirit's works are of the devil. These are blasphemers. They're not going to make it into the kingdom. So they would... Um, They'd come to the ark, but they'd start questioning the rain or doubting their beliefs, or they would just leave the ark. And, of course, leaving the ark is going out where the flood of judgment will destroy them. He said, ultimately, some stayed, but others left and were unable to come back in. Uh-oh. What does that mean? Well, I think it kind of means this. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4, we're told, For as touching those who were once enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit and tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, you'd think if they went that far they wouldn't be double-minded, but... That's exactly what's happening in this revelation, is they're becoming double-minded. And then fell away. In other words, they received all these things, all this gift, all this anointing, and then fell away. It's impossible to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh. And the Lord revealed this to me one time, that what this means is, as you walk by faith, Christ is formed in you. Paul said that too. And uh, you can crucify that Christ who is formed in you by falling away, by uh, sowing and reaping unto your flesh, right? By falling away. You crucify that Born again, Son of God, manifested in you. You crucify him again afresh and put him to an open shame. For the land which has drunk the rain, and that's the rain of the word, right, that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them whose sake it is also tilled, receiveth blessing from God. But if it beareth thorns and thistles, it is rejected. That's the word for reprobated. And nigh unto a curse whose end is to be burned. So the ones who left the ark and did not come back in, they were reprobated. 
Oh, they'll find out their mistake as soon as the flood waters start falling, right? But it'll be too late. He said, the young African woman asked me during this time, Are you sure about this great rain? And Noah and I both replied, Yes, just be patient. Yeah, let's pa let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. You have to be patient in God's promises. You have to be patient when God promises in a dream, when he speaks in a dream. See, some people say the next day, oh, it didn't come to pass, so it's not. Well, that's what they want to believe. But God gives warnings ahead of time so that many people can read it and understand it or hear it before it's too late. What good is a warning if nobody hears it? No, nope, you have to be patient, right? And this satisfied her. She was satisfied. Why? Because of the gift of God that was in her, right? John 6 and 39 says, And this is the will of him that sent me, that of all that which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Notice he said that of all that which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. He didn't say he would lose nothing. He said he should lose nothing and should raise it up at the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that every one that beholdeth the Son and believeth on him uh, should have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Notice he did not say seven years before the last day. He never said that. That's not when the resurrection happens. The resurrection happens after the seventh day. And uh, no man can come unto me, verse 44, except the Father that sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Again, not seven years before the last day. The last day is the great and terrible day of the Lord. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches that 40 days into that year that we call the last day, uh, 40 days into that is when the ark lifts off the earth with God's people. And who's left is under the floodwaters and the judgment and the death that we spoke about. Now, when God pours out His Spirit, here at the beginning of the tribulation, just remember, this is a sign that a, a flood is coming. It's a sign, and it also will enable people to believe who receive the Holy Spirit. Because when He comes, He will lead you and guide you in all truth. That's what the Bible says. So listen to the message of this. Then suddenly no one could come in or go out anymore. Oh, there's a time coming when the Lord closes the door and those that were in stayed in and those that were outside could not come back. That's what Eve said. In uh, 1 Corinthians 9 and 24, Know ye not that they that run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. Even so, run that you may attain. He's talking to Christians, actually Christians that are not in the race. And every man that striveth in the games exercises self-control in all things. 
Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run as not uncertainly. You don't want to be gambling. You want to be certain. I therefore so run as not uncertainly. So fight I as not beating the air. I buffet my body and I bring it into bondage lest by any means after I have preached to others I myself should be rejected or reprobated. Adakimos, reprobated. And this all happened behind us talking about the, the door closing because the door was behind us. And this could mean that it had already closed for the first fruits since the door was behind us. I only saw and sensed these things in the spirit and in visions while observing the things that were going on with the slaves outside the walls of the ark that was in front of us. Noah and I and our family members never looked back. And we're told in Luke 9 and 62, but, but Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Oh, so true, so true. Then the sky started to become very dark. So they got in the ark. The, all of the family ended up in the ark through the tribulation period. Uh, and then God closed the door. Uh oh. Then the sky started to become very dark with rain clouds. Great fear fell on all the slaves outside. Slaves of what? Slaves of the Egyptians. The ones that love to make mud bricks and uh, do their own works, right? They dropped their wheelbarrows and let go of the ropes of their mules and started running around because of the storm clouds that were gathering over their heads. I could hear screams of terror and the cries of the people. Once the clouds reached their darkest point, water poured from the sky in such volume that we had never seen before. Yeah, nobody's seen this much judgment even after going through the tribulation period. Nobody had seen this much judgment. So much so that all we could see were sheets of water flowing down the outside walls of the ark. And of course, the water represents the greatest judgment of catastrophes poured out since the flood. And 1 Corinthians 15 and 22 says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So get in the ark. That's where life is, right? Everybody that's made of Adam has to lose their life. We either lose it spiritually or we're going to lose it physically. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then they that are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end. See, when Christ comes, it'll be the end. When he shall deliver up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have abolished all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all of his enemies under his feet. 
The last enemy that shall be abolished is death. And do you know it is the last enemy? It's, it's after the beast, it's after the harlot, it's after the tribulation that the last enemy is abolished. Because it's the last enemy that's abolished. What abolishes death? The rapture and the resurrection. When is the rapture and the resurrection? After all the enemies are put under his feet. That's so simple. Why would anybody want to believe in a pre-trib all fly away rapture? When it says so plainly right there that this is not possible. I then had an open vision at this point in the dream of windy, storm-tossed waters with people drowning and few remaining survivors climbing onto rocks exhausted by the water with their forearms up trying to block the pelting water from their faces. They knew they were all going to die. Yeah. Acts 3 and 20. And that he may send the Christ who hath been appointed for you, even Jesus, whom the heavens must receive until the time of the restoration of all. All what? All of God's elect. The heavens must receive. Jesus is not coming back until all of God's elect are restored. All things was not there in the original. Isaiah 34 and 8 says, For the Lord hath a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. Because they have persecuted Zion, the Lord is going to pour out His wrath upon them and upon the earth. It won't bother them. They're in the ark. 2 Peter 3 and 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall be dissolved with fervent heat, and the earth and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So the great and terrible day slash year of the Lord is Isaiah 63 and 4. For the day of vengeance was in my heart. The year of my redeemed is come. And I trod down the peoples in mine anger. And made them drunk with my wrath. I poured out their life blood upon the earth. You say, God wouldn't do that. <laughs> you ever hear that goofy stuff? Well, he did it before, and he'll do it again, because the things that have been are the things that shall be, right? Because God is long-suffering and hasn't done it yet, does that mean he's not going to do it? No, because he did do it before, and he's going to do it again. You see, these, these criminals defile everything. They have no right on the earth and they have no right in heaven contrary to popular opinion I was awakened out of this dream in real life by my son Noah who came over to our bedroom and, and laid down in my husband's spot <coughs> in our king sized bed 
that God recently provided for us to replace our old queen-sized bed, which we, in turn, handed down to Elijah and Josiah. <clears throat> this represents promotion for the First Fruits Company. Noah told me, Mom, it's raining outside, and we won't be able to work at the outdoor flea market today. It's supposed to rain until 1 o'clock. She said, Well, Father had told me in the dream that the time has come when no man can work. Well, I was amazed at this real-life confirmation after my dream. The Lord had told me in the dream that he would send a rain tomorrow so my family members would believe his word. Well, there it was. It happened, right? And there was only a 10% chance of rain today, and it was very unexpected. My son Noah rarely ever comes over to wake me up. So this particular tomorrow it will rain uh, fulfillment was a symbol of the confirmation to come of the outpouring that will convince many of the, the coming judgment on the wicked. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and as many of you have too, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I began to believe things that the Holy Spirit would speak to me. Or even just convince me of. Not necessarily even speaking to me, but convince me of it. Because the Holy Spirit is power over your flesh. The Holy Spirit is needed. When God's people went into the wilderness, they were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. The sea was water baptism. The cloud is spirit baptism. This is going to be an outpouring of revival that's going to begin at the beginning of the tribulation period, the beginning of the seven days, the beginning of the wilderness. It's necessary. God's people would not survive the wilderness without the Holy Spirit. Without the guidance, without the gifts, it will be a supernatural feat to escape everything that happens in the tribulation period. But yet that is why the Holy Spirit is given. He is that other comforter, that paraclete who stands beside the believer uh, to be their lawyer and to be their helper. It is needed. All right. Uh, she said, I later told Noah that I had an awesome dream last night. And before I could tell it to him, he said, wait, I also had an awesome dream last night. I said, okay, you tell me yours first. And uh, this is only the second time that Noah has been given a dream from the Lord so far. So here's uh, Noah's dream, and Eve put some of her notes in there, and I did too. And uh, this was uh, that night, same night. I dreamed I was small about the about my youngest brother Josiah's age and he puts he's eight years old and that is that represents Christ in the man child and I, I want to say too that 
the man-child is small because that's a small number of people, not necessarily immaturity, you know. He's small because it's a small number of people, the man-child, right? Um, and Noah went on to say, I was playing in the woods. And um, Psalm 104 and 16, The trees of the Lord are filled with moisture, the cedars of Lebanon, which he hath planted. Noah said, I met a little girl with shoulder-length blonde hair. The bride, she's still small, because even the bride, although she's much bigger than the man-child, she is still small compared to the rest of the body, right? Compared to her mother, the church, right? So this is the bride. We grew up together, and then we're married. Well, God raised them up to be the first fruits of his inheritance, his first fruits harvest, right? How is it that the man, child, and the bride are married? Well, because it's Christ in the man, child, who is walking with the bride. The man, child, is that body of believers that have borne fruit. And Christ is manifested in his people. Christ in you, the hope of glory. How is it that we come into the glory of God? By having Christ in us, manifested by His Word and by His Spirit. He is manifested in the people. In this way, uh, the man-child is going to sow the seed and the bride is going to receive the seed. And in that way, in a spiritual way, they are married. And all this is a parable of the Lord uh, and the marriage feast fellowshipping with the bride through the marriage feast, which is the tribulation. Okay? Then I went to visit my real dad. His name is Robert. Um, and I believe that this speaks about Noah going to visit his real dad <laughs> as the man-child caught up to the throne in Revelation 12. Yes. And Eve puts Robert means bright, shining fame. Bright, shining sounds like glorious, doesn't it? Yes, filled with glory. Who had a big, beautiful mansion by the beach. Well, didn't the Lord say he was going to prepare the mansion, right? Amen. By the beach. Genesis 22 and 17 says that In blessing I will bless thee. In multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is upon the seashore. There it is. The mansion by the beach. So these uh, the sands on the seashore represents the multitudes of Abraham's children. And thy seed shall be so shall possess the gate of his enemies. So God's going to give authority to his true people over their enemies. Just like Luke chapter 1 says. My dad told me that he and his wife were moving and that I could have the mansion. So 
The bride and the man-child will inherit the Father's mansion prepared for them from the foundation of the world. In the dream, I was very wealthy because I had received a very large inheritance from somewhere. Well, we know what that is, don't we? He received this inheritance through the faith of the Holy Spirit outpouring. Everything, the Holy Spirit has provided everything for the people of God. And of course, all this is functioning by our faith. And also, being filled with the Holy Spirit fills a person with faith. You know, many people get baptized in the Spirit, they suddenly have more faith than they've ever had, you know. So, what is this faith in, in the Holy Spirit? In the Holy Spirit's outpouring. Well, how is this faith working? Well, like, for instance, Mark 11 and 24. It says, Therefore I say unto you, All things whatsoever. Well, that's a pretty big inheritance. All things whatsoever. You pray and ask for. Believe that you receive them. And ye shall have them. Wow. That's a real inheritance there. Can you imagine the Lord walking up to you and telling you this? Well, He has. It's ours. He's spoken it in His Word. So Noah said, I bought the mansion, and we moved into it. And Eve said, The blood of Christ and His atonement for us, as well as abiding in Him, makes us entitled to all of His benefits. And I say, including the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. He said we would walk in his steps if we abound in him. Did he not? So this inheritance is tremendous, saints. It is tremendous. We don't have, we haven't come into it because our mind is not expanded enough to be able to understand it or believe it. But this is going to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've only just kind of played around the edges of this thing. We're going to jump into it with both feet. And Eve said, this is our wealthy inheritance. Absolutely. All things whatsoever. Pretty big, huh? After this, I and my wife adopted two children. Eve said, the born-again Jews and the Gentiles that make up the true church in these days. Yep, I think that's right. Also, the two witnesses of the end-time tribulation that are spiritual children of the man-child and bride companies. Yeah, they could be two. I don't doubt that. I thought my, my favorite's the first one. The Jews and the Gentiles will be joined together. The born-again Jews and the born-again Gentiles. Not just Jews in the flesh. That won't make it. That won't get you there. Then the scene changed, and I was riding my bike, Noah said, uh, down the street where I currently live on Calendar Road. And I looked back and knew somehow that my mom and stepdad, representing those caught up in the mother church and false prophet leadership, see, who is Noah's mother? That is the church that's still in apostasy. And stepdad, right? That's the false prophet leadership. 
that my mom and stepdad had lost their property because they were financially broke and had no money and the mobile homes weren't there anymore. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen to these people that don't have any faith during this coming tribulation, saints? What do you think? They're going to lose even that which they have, Jesus said. To whom much is given, much is expected. The Lord's going to take away even that which they have. He's going to give it to the one that has the ten talents. But they said, Lord, he has ten talents. Yeah. Uh, to whom who, those who have fruit will more be given. That's what he said. Then I told them that they could all come to live with me in my mansion if they paid for the water and electricity. Who is this he's talking about? Who is Noah talking about here? He's talking about his mom and stepdad, which we have seen as the church, which is very much apostate, and the false leadership. Okay, And what he's saying to them is, you can come and live in this mansion with me if you pay for the water and the electricity. The water is the word. The electricity is the power. Right? Then they moved in with me. Wow. So this lets you know that there are people going to, many people are going to be saved out of the great falling away. Right? Then they moved in with me. If the apostates repent and wash their minds with the water of the word, then they can receive the power of Christ to inherit all his promises. Inheriting the promises comes with a price of death to self, Eve said. Amen. Then the scene changed, and I was back in the mansion. My mom's uncle, Mark, Mark means warlike, <laughs> and an old man, so the uncle Mark and an old man, uh, the old man of the flesh who, who is always at war with our spirit man, right? Uh, we're sitting in a room next to the dining room. I turned and I looked out the window and saw what seemed to be my stepfather down on all fours with his head buried in the sand. Stepfather, the false leadership. And Eve says the false shepherds who are not truly anointed to lead God's people and are beastly in their nature and blind because their head is buried in the sand. Yeah. The false shepherds only have eyes of lust for the seed of Abraham. They just want to have bigger churches so they can claim how great they are, you know, and take up more tithes, etc., etc. But the seed of Abraham doesn't belong to them. These people are thieves and robbers, just as Jesus said in John chapter 10. Then Noah said, I turned to the old man who had a lottery ticket in his hand. You know, those who walk in the flesh are great at taking chances with their lives and others. Right? Lottery ticket. He scratched it off in front of me, but he didn't win. He then explained to me how he had been trying to win the lottery his whole life, but had been unsuccessful. 
Well, by their own works, they attempt to win the inheritance, but it's reserved for those who have given up their old life. Um, They earned it. Those who give up their life, they earn it the right way by giving up their life. Those that are just taking a chance, uh, they're going to lose. Eve said, Our old man is always trying to illegally possess and inherit the land, but praise God, he will not win if we hold fast our confession that it waver not. Amen. Amen. Just remember Galatians 5, 16-21. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary one to the other, that you may not do the things that you would. See, we're not, we can't just do, live life the way we want to do it. We are bought with a price. And it goes on to say, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousies, wraths, factions, divisions, parties, or heresies, envyings and drunkenness, revelings, and such like of which I forewarn you, even as I did forewarn you, that they who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, do so many people not believe this? They just don't believe this. And Eve's comment here is, I feel this dream confirms the dream that Father gave me above, and our Father will preserve us and cause us to inherit all his blessings, which are what all of his promises uh, for the coming time of tribulation and economic uncertainty. I don't think there's anything uncertain about the economy. It is going to crumble. No doubt about it. That's biblical. Eve received a text that we have received many times about the children of Judah and Israel returning to Zion's authority. This, In other words, coming out of apostasy. There are many people who are members of these tribes that are have lived in apostasy as far as religion goes, all their life, and they're coming out. But also, recently, we have seen a falling away of the factious people, which, too, uh, the, the elect among them are going to be coming out and coming under Zion's authority. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 31 is the text. At that time, saith the Lord, I will be the God of all of the families of Israel. And they shall be my people. In other words, God will restore all of the spiritual Israel uh, to spiritual Judah. And together they will serve the Lord. Uh, That is the elect of God. Not everybody that says, uh, or calls me Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom. But he that doeth the will of my Father. That's what the Lord says. So we're not talking about all of what people call spiritual Israel, but who actually is spiritual Israel. 
Uh, Thus saith the Lord, The people that were left of the sword found favor in the wilderness. Oh, praise God. There's a battle being fought for lives today, and we're about to enter the wilderness, and there's going to be favor given to the people who have survived this battle and won against their enemies. Even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest, the Lord appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Again will I build thee, and thou shalt be built. Notice again what happened, a falling away. O virgin of Israel, again shalt thou be adorned with thy tabrets, and shalt go forth in the dances of them that make merry. Who is this Israel? Well, today it's the church. right? Again shalt thou plant vineyards upon the mountains of Samaria. The planter shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit thereof. For there shall be a day that the watchman upon the hills of Ephraim. Now who is Ephraim? He was the second son of Joseph, who was a type of Jesus, uh, the second son who inherited the firstborn's blessing. You know, when Jesus came, he offered it to his firstborn son, who refused it, and the secondborn, which is the church, picked it up and ran with it. So they who had rebelled from the house of David and Zion, that is the northern ten tribes of, of Ephraim, were going to return. Praise the Lord. We keep hearing that over and over, right? So these, um, the watchmen on the hills of Ephraim shall cry, Arise ye, let us go up to Zion. Unto the Lord our God. Well, they had rebelled against Zion, and now they were returning. For thus saith the Lord, Sing with gladness for Jacob. Shout for the chief of the nations. Publish ye, praise ye, and say, O Lord, save thy people, the remnant of Israel. Well, you can imagine they're going to be highly motivated with the tribulation starting and all these things. Judgments falling even before the tribulation. They're going to be highly motivated to listen. They've been walking after their flesh. They've been doing what they wanted. In many cases, they were offended, which they had no right to do. But they're, suddenly their life is going to be worth more to them than their offense. Behold, I will bring them from the north country, gather them from the uttermost parts of the earth, and with them the blind and the lame. Well, there's a lot of blind and lame out there in the people of God. He said, The woman with child, and her that travaileth with child. In other words, those that are about to bear fruit and those that are bearing fruit, right? A great company shall they return Hither, they're going to return. And this this has a double meaning. Again, I want to tell you that the people of God left 
the house of David back shortly after the days of Jesus. They were carried away captive by false leaders. And they've been in false denominations ever since. But God says they're going to return. And recently, again, there were false leaders rise up to, to deceive God's people with faction and carry them into captivity. And God is going to bring the elect among them back. And he says, They shall come with weeping and with supplications, meaning repentance. Will I lead them? I will cause them to walk by rivers of waters in a straight way, wherein they shall not stumble. They've just come back from stumbling. And now he's going to make them steady. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. He actually was his secondborn, but he was given the firstborn's place because his firstborn, Manasseh, did not attain to that position. Just like the Israel did not attain to the position of firstborn, even though they were firstborn. The church attained to it. It is born again from above that counts in this covenant, saints. Not blood. Not blood relationships. Born from above. So the secondborn son of the church, which has received what the firstborn, Israel, rejected. And of course, um, there's a remnant of Israel that's going to come back in when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That's what the Bible says. Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Israel will gather him. Who is it that scattered them? Uh, those factious people? Yeah. But the Lord did it, you see. He's going to gather them. He did that because of their sins. He scattered them. He separated them from the bride. He separated them from Jerusalem. But he's going to gather them back. So he that scatter Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. You know how you break the leg of a lamb that keeps wandering off so it will stick close to you? <laughs> well, for the Lord hath ransomed Jacob and redeemed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. Yep, they were taken into beast bondage, demonic bondage. And that's going to be quite humbling to them and cause them to repent and return. And they shall come and sing in the height of Zion and shall flow unto the goodness of the Lord, to the grain and to the new wine and to the oil and to the young of the flock and of the herd. And their soul shall be as a watered garden. Oh, praise God, that sounds good, doesn't it? And they shall not sorrow any more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning into joy, and I will comfort them, and make them rejoice in their sorrow. And I will satiate the soul of the priest with fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. Sounds like they're going to prosper in the wilderness, going to bear fruit in the wilderness, just as Isaiah said.
And thus saith the Lord, A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are not. Well, they were killed when Herod sent his armies in there to try to destroy the Christ, the man-child. The man-child, they missed, but they killed a bunch of his brethren, right? The children. And that's what the dragon leadership and that's what the factious leadership did. They killed the children. Tried to kill the man-child. They couldn't do it. They can't do it today. But they can kill the children and that's what they've done. And of course they failed to kill Jesus. Thus saith the Lord, Refrain thy voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears for thy work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. In other words, he's saying to uh, Rachel, don't worry. And they shall come again from the land of the enemy. Meaning they're, they won't be dead anymore. They're going to be set free. And there is hope for thy latter end, says the Lord. And thy children shall come again to their own border. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus. Thou hast chastised me, and I was chastised, as a calf unaccustomed to the yoke. In other words, they were they they liked to be free. They liked to run and jump and do whatever they wanted to do, live in the flesh. But the Lord said, Turn thou No, excuse me. Ephraim said, Turn thou me, and I shall be turned. For thou art the Lord my God. Surely after that I was turned, I repented. And after that I was instructed, I smote upon my thigh. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. Yeah, you see, the apostate, backslidden church has reason to be ashamed and humbled. And this is what has to be done. They are too proud and too arrogant now to listen to anybody. They have not listened. And the Lord is going to let them take a little ride through the beast, through uh, apostasy, to corruption, and then open their understanding and let them see what they have done. That's what he's going to do. Is Ephraim my dear son? In other words, is this church... My dear son, doesn't, doesn't act like it. Is he a darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do earnestly remember him still. Therefore my heart yearneth for him. The God wants his people that have been taken into bondage, taken into captivity. He wants them back. He loves them. He can change their mind in a moment. And he will. I will surely have mercy upon him, says the Lord. Set thee up waymarks, make thee guideposts, set thy heart towards the highway. And he's telling his people, find your way back to Zion. You should have never left. Right. Even the way by which thou wentest, turn again, which is kind of like the word repent. Turn again, O virgin of Israel, turn again to these thy cities. 
How long wilt thou go hither and thither, O thou backsliding daughter? Yep, they're out there stumbling around in their foolishness. And God's going to grant them repentance. Praise be God. For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall encompass a man. In other words, they will gather around the man-child ministry of Jesus. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Yet again shall they use this speech in the land of Judah and in the cities thereof, when I shall bring again their captivity. In other words, bring them out of captivity to their land, right? The Lord bless thee, O habitation of righteousness, O mountain of holiness, that's Zion, right? And Judah and all the cities thereof shall dwell therein together, the husbandmen, and they shall go about with flocks. Who was the husbandman? Judah was the leading tribe. From Judah the bride came, right? And they that go about with flocks, for I have satiated the weary soul, and every sorrowful soul, in other words, repented soul, have I replenished. Upon this I awaked and beheld, and my sleep was sweet unto me. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast. Uh, In other words, the fallen understanding of men and the beast. The Lord himself did that. It was his army of the pommel worm, the caterpillar, and the canker worm that... uh, brought Israel down and humbled it, right? And it shall come to pass that like as I have watched over them to pluck up and to break down and to overthrow and to destroy. Did God do this? Yes. He's done it with the church since the falling away 2,000 years ago. He's done it with the faction in these latter days and other things too, the false revival movement, etc., etc., He watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to overthrow, and to destroy, and to afflict. So will I watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. The chosen among them will bear fruit, we see. We see it there. And in those days they shall say no more, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, they ain't going to pass on down from their false leaders. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. And behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Why? Because it's a different Judah. It's a different Israel which my covenant they break. Okay, did the Jews break? Yes. How about the church? Yes. Which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. What was was after what days? 
Well, if you go to Joel, you'll see that after those days, talking about after the outpouring of the Spirit, things changed. And they will in these days too. That's the sign that God is going to change His people and bring massive judgment upon those who have caused His people a stumbling block, right? I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. That's that's really needed. And in their heart will I write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin will I remember no more. Thus saith the Lord, who giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, who stirreth up the sea so that the waves thereof roar. We're going to see that. The Lord of hosts is his name. If these ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel who shall uh, also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. And thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured, and the foundation of the earth searched out beneath, then will I also cast off all of the seed of Israel, for all that they have done, says the Lord. So, did you hear that? If the heaven can be measured, and the foundation of the earth searched out, only then will he cast off all the seed of Israel for what they have done in their apostasy, and what they have done against the true people of God. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that the city shall be built to the Lord, from the tower of Hananel unto the gate of the corner, and the measuring line shall go out further straight onward unto the hill of Gareb, and shall turn about unto Goa, and the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes, and all the fields unto the brook Kidron, unto the corner of the horse gate towards the east, shall be holy unto the Lord. And it shall not be plucked up nor thrown down any more forever. Is this talking about natural Israel? Nope. They're going to be invaded all the way up through the great and terrible day of the Lord. I just got to tell you, that's what the Bible says. It's talking about spiritual Israel. Real, true Israel, not the not the type, the real, true Israel. And another text that we've received many times emphasizes that it is it is the chosen who return. For instance, Jeremiah twenty four and one, the Lord showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs set before the temple of the Lord. After that, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jeconiah the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah, with the craftsmen and smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. One basket had very good figs, like the figs that were first ripe, and the other basket had very bad figs, which could not be eaten, they were so bad. Then said the Lord unto me, What seest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, Figs, the good figs, the very good and the bad, the very bad, they cannot be eaten, they're so bad. 
the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so will I regard the captives of Judah. Wait a minute. The good figs here are the good figs among the captives, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans. They were taken captive to the beast. There are some good people who were taken captive to the beast. And he says, For good. For I will set mine eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them again to this land. The good figs are going to be brought back to the land that they were taken captive out of because of their rebellion and their sins. And I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. For they shall return unto me with their whole heart. You see, some people are coming back to the Lord with their whole heart. And as the bad figs, which cannot be eaten, they are so bad. Surely, thus saith the Lord, so will I give up Zedekiah the king of Judah and his princes. That's the false leadership of apostate Jerusalem. Remember, there's two Jerusalems. There's apostate, false leadership, and then there's the real one that God is building, the righteous one. The false leadership led them into captivity. It's clear. This is clear. Uh, so Zedekiah the king of Judah and his princes that's the false leadership and the residue of Jerusalem that is the apostate Jerusalem that remain in this land and them that dwell in the land of Egypt I will even give them up to be tossed to and fro among all the kingdoms of the earth for evil to be a reproach and a proverb and a taunt and a curse in all places whither I shall drive them. And I will send the sword, the famine, the pestilence among them, till they be consumed from off the land that I gave unto them and to their fathers. Is he doing that? Yeah, he's doing it. He's driving them off the land. Spiritual and physical. <laughs> that I gave to their fathers. Well, well notice... This plucking up, uh, he mentioned that in the previous text. That I will no longer pluck them up, but will plant them. And so now he's telling you that it is the elect or the chosen of God that are going to be brought back. The ones who have fruit are going to be brought back. The ones that are very bad and cannot be eaten. They will not give life to anybody that partakes of them. Uh, they will be reprobated. And this we're seeing here very clearly. I know some of these people. I know that they're reprobated. I know they're never going to come back to the Lord. And they've been nothing but destruction to God's people and themselves and their own families. And uh, they're never going to come back to the Lord. I'd say that's sad, David. Yes, I know. <clears throat> and nobody's prayed for them more than our local assembly here that I know of. We we have um, many times spoken the words of faith towards uh, them, and um, 
spoken words uh, for the demons to loose them, etc., etc. And uh, and this is all going to come to pass for the chosen people, but not for the reprobates. And so, yep, it's a sad thing. But God's will is going to be done, and God's body is going to be uh, matured, perfected. The leaven is being kicked out of the body, just as he commanded in 1 Corinthians 5 for the leadership to do. Put out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump. Put out the leaven of malice and wickedness. This to God is a stench in God's nostrils. Put out this leaven. Put it out. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump, he said there. God is not going to permit it. And that's a good thing. Because heaven wouldn't be heaven uh, with these people. It's God's plan. And it's happening. Well, let's pray. Well, Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your awesome plan to sanctify your people and to bring multitudes, both of recent captives and of ancient captives, you know, that have been in denominational apostasies all their lives in some cases. They came to know you, Lord, by having a born-again spirit, but they were soon taken captive to Babylonish religion. And also the faction and other things that have led God's people astray recently, Lord. You're going to bring the elect among them, the chosen among them, back. And we're so happy, Lord. We've been praying for this with all of our heart. And yes, Lord, they hate us, but we don't hate them. We know what Jesus said on the cross when he was crucified by them is true. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We know that that was true then. We know it's true now. They don't know what they're doing. And when, Lord, you awake them out of that slumber, Uh, like Nebuchadnezzar was in when he was eating the grass of the field and you suddenly gave him back his understanding and it returned to him. Uh, Lord, he was so humble. He was so glad. He was so um, appreciative of you, so worshipful of you. Uh, What a great day. Uh, God's going to do this for his chosen who have been taken captive. Praise be to God. And these people are going to be like uh, Paul's. They're going to be much greater. Or Peter, who had failed, um, you know, failed the Lord, and and yet uh, was going to come back and return and do a great work for God. Lord, we just thank you so much for this mercy that you're showing towards your people. And Lord, we can't wait until it is finished. Yes, we know we have to come to the end of the Sennacherib scenario first. And um, the battle that these people are fighting against your people of God. 
and um, and when that is when that smiting happens, and um, these people are going to come to their senses, having been lost, those spirits are going to come to their senses. They're going to follow you, Lord, and we're so happy about that. We've been praying for that. We've been speaking this. We've been confessing it. We've been thanking you for it, and uh, we know it pleases you that we do this. Thank you so much, Father, for what you're doing. Thank you for uh, the great blessings that you're planning on this revival that's coming, this anointing that's poured out. And, Lord, we just receive it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh, Jesus I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true. Oh, Jesus, I trust in you. That darkest night What will be my guiding light The shining rays of red and white Jesus, I trust in you Oh, sacred heart in you I find Mercy seated for all time I am yours and you are mine Oh, Jesus, I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. Jesus